Hello and welcome to Real Talk for Mums. Two personal trainers coming together through birth trauma to bring laughs, tears and a lot of real talk around the health and well-being of mums. Unedited, raw and unapologetically ourselves, Mags and myself, Lara, aim to empower mums with the knowledge and support they deserve to live their best lives. Come join us for a new episode every week. Oh, eczema is such a big topic for so many people. And we are sharing some examples of what I'm going through with my two sons, their journey. As always, go with what works for you and your family. And we're just discussing what this one expert has said that you could follow. Stick around to the end where I've updated you on the outcome so far. And please just go and speak to a few different experts and find what works for you. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode. I am joined today by the lovely Nikki Brown, naturopath, and Arthur. You can hear him squealing in the background, maybe. Um, I've got my headphones on. Um, <laughs> today actually came about because I was posting about Arthur's journey when it comes to eczema. I was saying that he's got all this eczema and it keeps getting worse. It's all over his body. And Monty had eczema as well. And I've I saw a naturopath and I followed this gut health protocol and I did certain things we'll talk about a bit later. And he, Arthur's worse when it comes to the eczema. And I was sharing on my feed about me using this cream. And then Nikki comes in and starts commenting saying, yeah, that's all well and good, but what's the root cause? Why has he got eczema? Da, 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 da. And I was like, hey, Nikki, how are you doing? Then she sent me a DM um, and we took it from there. And now I, I've done a hair follicle test with Arthur. We're going to talk about what that is a bit later. Um, and it it turns out there's a few things that I need to remove from my diet. It's very handy having this uh, test because it shows me what I need to remove. So it's kind of two tests in one. So it means I don't have to do it as well. Bang for our buck because I'm still breastfeeding, which is why we're doing that for Arthur. Anyway, welcome, Nikki. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. We just actually went through our um, Arthur's hair follicle test, didn't we, just a second ago, so that was handy. Yeah, and I've given Lara all nice things that she needs to remove. Yes. Her, which... Mainly eggs, which is what I is my staple diet. So whatever. Black tea. Black tea and eggs. <laughs> but I can do it I can do it if I can't handle that for six months nine months then who am I it's only short term in the space of his five month life yeah exactly and there's other foods it's not as if you're asking me not to eat yeah and that's that's I mean we'll discuss that later but it's it's the good thing about doing this it's not you have to remove everything in life there are alternatives that you can have that still give you um, and you've got a massive amount of alternatives that you can have there's just a few of the big staples that just <laughs> need to be removed for a bit yeah exactly just it's fine I don't have eggs every day whatever <laughs> <laughs> hey talk to me about your background just so listeners know who you are okay everyone uh, my name is Nikki Brown I am a naturopath and I started my journey in health eight years ago when I decided to be crazy at 38 and do a four-year Bachelor of Health Science degree in naturopathy um, with two kids. My kids were five and seven at the time, so I don't know what I was thinking. But wow. um, then I, after I finished my degree, I started my own clinic. It's called Natural by Nature. And I have been working for myself uh, for the past four years. And I guess just to give a background to people who don't understand what naturopathy is, it is it focuses on all systems of the body. So it's not just you come to me because you've got a headache or you've got some gut issues. We look at everything in the body. So every body system, how they all interconnect and how one literally led to the issues that you're sitting in front of me today talking about, like with Arthur and the eczema. It wasn't just he got eczema overnight. It was something that led to all of that happening so 
And especially with natural medicine or naturopathy in general, the history of that is dis-ease or disease starts in the gut. So that's why we start with the gut first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so many people still aren't recognizing that the gut is sort of the gateway to our health, even though there's more research even more research about the gut than it was, what, five years ago, 10 years ago. But still people are saying, oh, what could this be, especially when it comes to eczema and asthma? Yeah. And doctors now are like it's a groundbreaking thing when they find <laughs> things in the gut. And naturopaths have known this for hundreds and, you know, even Ayurvedic medicine, Chinese medicine, like they all know this is where it starts. So, yeah, it's mm. it's kind of interesting when they make it sound like it's a breakthrough, but yeah. they've just caught on. You're just like, whatever, okay, call it a breakthrough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, at least we're all want... on the same page now, which we're getting on the same page. Well, hopefully you'll start getting GPs being like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going to refer you to a naturopath. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Actually being referred to these specialists rather than a GP saying, oh, just take this medication, it'll be fine. Or take this t- steroid cream, it'll be fine. Yeah, it would be fabulous if life going forward was we work together because we're mm. all here to address similar things. Um, you know, medicine has its place and so does natural medicine have its place. And if we both work together, everyone would be a lot happier and healthier yeah. and probably on less pharmaceuticals if people knew a bit more about natural medicine and what it actually does. Yes, definitely. We preach into the choir when you talk to me. <laughs> um we're talking about eczema x i was doing a little bit of research just so i knew what i was saying um (laughs) eczema is chronic inflammatory skin condition according to google um and it is saying that most cases are a combination of genetics and triggers so for example what i'm getting at is it could be the fact that you know how you were saying my husband james has got hay fever I have got eczema. It's highly likely that both Monty and Arthur will have eczema as well or hay fever. However, just because it's genetics doesn't mean that it's nothing to do with the gut. Because I think you were saying before that maybe it's because James and I both have gut issues that we both have eczema and hay fever. Then then it's replicated into our children. Yeah, pretty much. So when um, we were talking about it, I was looking at how, and like you said, genetics is yes, because obviously both of your DNA make the baby. So if there's issues with gut, like IBS, or even with women's um, completely off topic, but endometriosis in a woman can mean that they pass that on to their daughter and the mother and the grandmother, all the cycles above, pass them down the family tree. So the same thing with gut issues, that if you didn't even know that you had something called dysbiosis, which is basically a um, disruption in the microbiome of the gut, you then alter that into your your child and as does the father's health to the baby. So I guess pre-pregnancy, kind of going back to you having the baby, is getting your bodies in the best possible shape before you get pregnant on both the mother and the father so that the baby has the best chance going forward. Yes, because like we were saying, your baby's gut is just a a replica of the mother's gut, isn't it? Whatever issues you've had is going to then feed into the issues for your baby. And it's not everything. It's not everything that you've had is going to be part of Arthur and Monty's life. But like you said, you have asthma, so there's probably a a higher chance of them or eczema Um, and the same with the allergies like there could be some kind of genetic predisposition and with all of that it doesn't mean that that's going to happen but there is a likelihood if you don't kind of keep on top of you know your gut health and the food that you eat the more processed packaged food long term you know all, all of those things play a role in gut microbiome. So you can't just say well it's my genetics my dad had it my brothers have eczema and that means just my children are going to have it there's nothing I can do about it no there is plenty that you can do about it yeah yeah I just say that because often that seems to be an answer my parents have it I have it so there's that's how it is and that just comes to education or you know having someone to give you the information 
that is um, current to both your genetic family history tree, basically. So yeah. there's plenty that can be done mm-hmm. before, during, and even after. Okay, cool. That's exciting. That's good for people to know that actually you don't just have to give in to the fact that it could be genetics. There's just there are common triggers of eczema. Um and it seems to be in I've just found some stats. You might have some different ones, but in the allergy and asthma network. Sorry, just gonna pick up this Arthur. In the allergy and asthma network sources, they say fifteen to twenty percent of children globally have eczema. And up to 30% of children in Australia have eczema, which is quite, it's very high. And I actually remember coming to, from the UK, coming to Australia and looking in the shops, in the pharmacist, pharmacy, like chemist warehouse and stuff, and thinking there is a shitload of eczema creams and like psoriasis creams, a lot more than I've seen in the UK. And I don't know if it's it's to do with like we were talking about triggers can it be to do with the climate you know how people talk about oh it's winter eczema dry climate overheating uh it definitely has something to do with the climate that we live here in australia because it's colder and drier so the skin moisture is not as lubricated as you do like you know in australia especially in south australia um you notice that it's very dry, hot heat, um, and it's a very dry. And when it's cold, like your skin becomes, um, there's less moisture in the skin, so you get more skin flare-ups. People have more hot baths. They take more hot showers, so their skin is now dried out. They don't put moisture back into the skin because there are natural creams that you can put back onto the skin, even for babies, um, and their skin can dry out. So then when it's dry, the first thing you start doing is you start itching, um, and scratching bacteria now comes in because especially with babies they they break the skin and you can get all sorts of um, bacteria inside those skin which then creates other issues from there so yeah it's definitely in Australia I think it's the weather and our climate here that contributes to probably a lot of babies eczema yeah um, and is it I guess when we're talking about triggers again, because I, I just remember being told a lot, oh, it's it's your genetics um, and it's just winter eczema. Um, but we know now it's, it's not. You can actually rectify eczema. So I guess in the winter eczema, does Arthur's eczema go away in summer? I don't know. It's, it's slowly been getting worse. Um, and he was okay. born in February. So still in hot months. So that's summer eczema. <laughs> yeah. Which <laughs> moved into winter eczema, which if not treated will become summer eczema again. Yeah. Um, and eczema, uh, and like I said, it could flare up more in winter and that's probably why. And then not knowing enough doctors just say it's winter eczema, here's some cream and move on with that. Mm. But I guess the, and what we discussed last week was when you put cream on top of the body, it eventually goes into the gut. So you put on a steroid cream topically, it will go through the dermal layer of the skin and it has to go somewhere. So it has to be filtered out through the body. So it goes into the gut via the liver, out through the waist. And what that does is it actually starts to break down the skin. The more steroid cream you attach, the worse the gut gets. Hang on a minute. So the GP has said, take this steroid cream because you have eczema thinking that it's going to improve the eczema. However, it's just going to add to the issue, causing more eczema. Yes. <laughs> In short, yes. That because it's just a common thing. I remember growing up and my mum didn't know any better. So she would go to the GP and she would put steroid cream on us. And not no one knows, do they, until you just start talking to the right people. And so you, over time, have had steroid cream into your body, on your body, antibiotics. Yeah. Let's address the antibiotics. Um, Antibiotics go in and basically blow up the garden, which is the microbiome. And if you blow up the garden, you now need to put stuff back in to repopulate. And if you keep putting antibiotics in because the the kids keep getting sick, so you keep having monthly doses of antibiotics, they have nothing in the soil. Let's think of grass that's literally had a fire come through 
and there's nothing left. That's kind of where baby's health is, which is why they get sicker faster. They get sicker more often. There's no good guys in there fighting um, the viruses when they come in because we've literally blown it apart with steroid creams and antibiotics. Crazy. And then obviously COVID hit and then you've got the the hand sanitizing people who just keep putting all this anti back all over their hands. And obviously, like you were saying, whatever you put on the skin is going to eventually go into your body. Um, we're just... It just sounds like we're exacerbating the issue when we think we're trying to help it. Um, Instead of going internal, we're looking at topically, but topically eventually is going to come internal. Like hand sanitizers, we saw a lot of eczema and dermatitis on the hands because people were literally tearing off all of the dermal layer, causing skin irritations because of what and how much they were using hand sanitizer. I bet. Even acne on the face through masks. Because people's own bacteria in their mouth was coming out through their masks, which was now ending up on their face. So we had more uh, acne and now dermatitis on their hands. Let's step back to antibiotics, because I told you, didn't I, that um, I had to have antibiotics because I had a breast abscess, which obviously meant it's going to go from my breast milk into Arthur. So he has had antibiotics at a very young age. Um, And that would have affected his gut, right? Yep. And um, so, sorry, go for it. So antibiotic use in prenatal and early postnatal life is associated with a risk of atopic dermatitis, which is what they can call eczema. Yeah, especially in early childhood. So you having it in your body while Arthur was in there can obviously degrade your gut, which then he's, you know, he's attached to you. Um, and so the risk of dermatitis for him when he's now out is more prominent than someone who didn't take antibiotics through pregnancy. Aha. But could it be that um, also if someone's taking antibiotics when they're pregnant or when they've just given birth and they're breastfeeding, um, it won't just come out as eczema. It may just be that I'm more likely to have my children have eczema. It could be um, something else that would flare up the gut that could come out. Um, Yep. So many different things could be linked. It could be anything. It might not even go to the skin because the gut, obviously, what it does is it pushes the way the organs work internally is to push anything from where they are. The body wants to get rid of it. So it'll push it out to the furthest organ. So if there's issues within the gut, the furthest organ is the skin. So it wants to get it out of the gut. It wants to get it out of the body. So it lands on the skin. Um, And that's why it's not something that happens straight away but it'll be something that will happen over time. And equally, once you start healing the gut, that's where it comes from. It starts on the outside and it works its way back inside. So that's kind of, it's called Herring's principle of cure is inside to out and outside to in. Uh Okay. And what could be other reasons why your gut has been affected and it's it's showing up as inflammatory response like eczema or asthma um because i know one of my um cousins actually and my brother as well his eczema flares up when he's highly stressed and he hasn't had much sleep so stress um so the baby's gut's inflammation that's where it basically it's a replica of you like you mentioned stress infection and antibiotic use can lead to dysbiosis so when you're stressed long term and we're going to your brother now when he when you're stressed long term um the immune system stays triggered because it's in fight or flight so what happens is your there's a lot of other hormones in the body that basically start to override everything else and then the gut gets worked up so it starts to burn your microbial bacteria. And so for yourself, even mums in pregnancy who have a stressful pregnancy um, or they're anxious about, you know, whatever's going on, that in itself can start to degrade gut bacteria. So it might not be, you know, the food that you eat, but it's how your body is reacting to your environment, people around you, just the pregnancy in general, how you are when you're, you know, how stressed you were, when you were pregnant can also affect the baby's nervous system when they're born. So it's not just, and the gut and the brain, they're so connected. Think of it like a super highway. 
that if one is out of whack, the other one tends to follow or try and cope on its behalf. Mm. Which is why on that hair follicle test, as some of the symptoms, you asked me, do I get brain fog? Yeah. Brain fog, memory issues, because... Um, and depression and anxiety is now linked to the gut as well, isn't it? Yeah. So think of depression and anxiety. When you're depressed, your body probably will become more constipated because it's holding everything in internally. Whereas when you're anxious, think of going to a meeting or doing a presentation, you yeah. literally will shit 24 times before you go and do that particular meeting because your body's like, I don't need to digest this, get this out of here. Like we've got other things going on. Um, so anxiety definitely linked to diarrhea. IBS and all of those kind of symptoms and depression, probably more the constipation because everything's just sat internally. You're not eating, you're not doing what you need to properly, you're not drinking enough water um, and all of those things can slow down your gut motility. Yeah. So stress plays a major role in skin health in general. If you're stressed or anxious, you'll get hives, you'll get eczema. Like it could be things that flare up on the skin. Yeah. yeah. But so many people, when you ask them, are you stressed? They're just like, no, we don't recognize when they're stressed. No. Cause if you sit in a state of stress for a really long time, that becomes your Norm. new normal. Yeah. You're so right. Yeah. Um, so what would you say to a mum who's had to have antibiotics or who's had antibiotics without really realizing and understanding and is now listening is there something that they can do to help them and their baby if they're still pregnant then they can take mum and baby probiotics because what you want to do is you want to go in and you want to heal the mum's gut as well as the baby because everything in there that's attached by the umbilical cord everything you're eating the baby's consuming to some degree and it starts building a microbiome while it's inside um so probiotics are definitely and some GPs now when they give antibiotics to people are recommending probiotics which is yeah, great that was a massive win the only difference is there's some probiotics that when you take antibiotics will actually kill off the probiotic right so there are so many different strains of probiotics but there's a specific one called Saccharomyces boulardii which is SB for layman terms you yeah. can take that alongside a probiotic and it won't kill off the probiotic at the same time because antibiotics you're normally taking two to three times a day generally. So there's no time to stick an antibiotic in between that without it being killed off at the next session. So there are some probiotics that work alongside it. And even if you don't take it during the antibiotics, definitely get onto it at the end because you can put that back in within three months, but it has to be taken consistently and at least for three months post antibiotic use. What if someone has then done antibiotics, started the probiotics, and then a month later they got whatever they had again, an infection or something, and then they've had to take another course of antibiotics. It seems to be a common thing. Then they come and see me, the naturopath, <laughs> and we help them so that they don't need the antibiotics again. Yes. Okay. Brilliant. Um, don't worry, listeners, I'm going to write down what that actual um, bact uh, probiotic was, Sacrobolardi, because I can't even pronounce it. i using it with Monty because it's the next one. <laughs> <laughs> um, talking about eczema and asthma, how is that connected? Because I've I've mentioned it to a few people around asthma being linked, but often they were like, well, no, it's nothing to do with it. So I was looking this one up too, because obviously there's varying schools of thought around what the connection is. And I think we mentioned this the other day because I saw Arthur's cradle cap mm. on his head. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, he's got eczema. Um, there is a potential for asthma because those three, however, not 100% researched, and I'll put that out there, but as a mother of two children, um, my kids had cradle cap, they had eczema, and they also had asthma. Uh -huh. So those three tend to go together. Now, how are they linked? They're both linked to inflammation. Okay. And inflammation in the body means, and not everyone who has asthma will develop eczema. However, there's a likelihood that they can. But anyone who has eczema as a child 
is more likely to develop asthma later in life. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and half the people who have eczema as a child could have asthma. They could have allergic rhinitis or hay fever or food allergies or intolerances to food. That's very interesting because then it's because Monty has eye sinus issues and James is always saying he's got hay fever like me. But again, it's it's not. Yeah, you can't just say I've got hay fever. So he's going to have hay fever. So his uh, hay fever like symptoms Mm. could be and I won't say allergies. So the difference between an allergy and an intolerance is an allergy is you are either anaphylactic to it and may require an EpiPen or hospitalization. An intolerance is just something that you eat that you go, that didn't sit well with me at all. Like after eating that 20 minutes, I've got bloating or I feel, you know, I've got diarrhea. Um, They're intolerances too. Like they're not going to send you to the emergency room, but they just don't make you feel great. And is it true that it's not an, a forever thing when you have an intolerance necessarily, but with an no. allergy, it generally is? Because, again, it all comes back to inflammation. If you calm down the inflammation, because eczema is inflammation. It's inflammation of the skin, which is why their skin can feel really hot. Um, they're not immune conditions. So it's not an autoimmune condition like asthma is. Um, but if you calm down the inflammation in the body, then it, it has no issue to go and send triggers everywhere else to so someone to sort it out. Basically, eczema is a, is a visual sign to someone that there's something not right in here. Okay. And with an intolerance, is it true that it could take up to three days to recognize? So say if you've removed foods that you think you've got issues with um, and then you eat something, it may not show straight away. Is that right? Like it, could be, it could be months. Wow. It could be months. Yeah. Um, when you take the food out, um, you, you have to give your body time to lower inflammation first. So, and that's why, you know, kind of jumping forward, but we'll come back to it with the removal of the foods that Arthur has. Yeah. The first four weeks are the biggest four weeks because if you remove the food for four weeks, you'll start to notice little things in between, but it's at that four-week mark that you'll really pay attention to, I haven't seen his eczema flare. I haven't heard his nose be gurgly and sound, you know, like he's got an allergy of some description or hay fever or sinus issues. Um, It's at that point that you go, okay, it had to have been an intolerance to something that was flaring him over that past four weeks that now we've taken out that now he doesn't have. I think that's why I love, and I I chose to go down the route of doing the the hair follicle test with you. Because like you were saying, an intolerance could come up a month later and you've got no idea. So you could be constantly removing foods, removing foods. I've spoken to someone who's got their child a story who said that their child is on only rice because they've had to keep removing things and removing things I was like you can't you need to see someone to find out what the issue is because you can't you get to a point where you've removed all foods and that I mean there's plenty of other tests that can be done this one's just this one I like to do because it gives you as the mum an indication of what you can have not what you can't have and just removing everything you've got no idea when you bring them back in what the heck is going on here um and this isn't this isn't a diet this isn't anything like that this is about removing inflammation and removing your it's called an incompatibility test because your body at this point in this part of arthur's life is not compatible with certain products and it's not just food like we've run through that test it's creams mugu eczema cream is a dairy constituent and most of the time things that cause eczema and or asthma are dairy products and that's a natural product which is why i love this test because we're all buying natural products thinking it's going to be okay for our children's skin but it may not be okay for your baby's skin yeah and like you mentioned you know banana boat which 
not so much natural, but you put that on his face and his face went all red because it was an intolerance to something within that product. Now, I don't know what it is. I, I couldn't even tell you what it was. Even in the Mugu cream, I couldn't tell you what it is. It's just something with his body because that hair test is your genetic DNA that's, and it's the energetic portion of your body that is replicated in that hair. So when you eat food, food is energy. And when the two energy sources, think of two magnets that don't go together and they clash off, that's kind of what this is doing. It's going into the body and it's just not agreeing with the other magnet on the other side. Okay. And that's how you would describe to someone like how, what is this hair follicle test like? Yeah. So it's, it's to do with your cellular energy. And, you know, it might sound a bit wishy-washy to people, but I've had clients who have had IBS and I mentioned this to you in our last chat and we were both like, what the heck, how did this person even survive like this? 16 times a day with diarrhea. That is not a life I choose for myself. But you were um, saying, you know, the family said, well, I get it. So it's normal. It's our genetics. Yeah. And that his parents were, you know, because he's 24, but his family um, are from the UK and they were like, oh, this is just what we've had to put up with. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to put up with anything that makes me run off to the loo 16 times in any given day Friends. and not enjoy life. No way. Your asshole would just be on fire every day. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> put a cream on that. <laughs> no way. <laughs> um, so let's talk about, um, I'll, I'll share with people the results of Arthur um, <clears throat> and then they can understand what we're going to do um so the results came back from the follicle test with arthur in that he um mugu cream was one um mugu eczema cream in fact was one that he shouldn't be using which seems to be a standard thing people would think to use because it's natural and it's for eczema um i have to remove eggs which i'm very sad about eggs came back um a lot of the dairy products came back which didn't surprise me really uh, random things like pineapple and um, I need to remove black tea too. <laughs> so this is what I would have. I'd have eggs on toast. There's a lot of the toast that I can't eat as well. And I would have uh, black tea with oat milk in the morning. Sometimes I'd have Weetabix with banana. Banana came back. <laughs> so it's really interesting. So I'm going to be removing all of the red uh, foods or the red products that have come back in mine and Arthur's hair follicle test removing it for six months minimum and seeing how he is and how I am because I may not even notice I may just be putting everything under the fact that I'm exhausted and that's just how I feel but it's it's interesting when you start removing things and you're less inflamed and then you start noticing oh that was I didn't realize that was not something normal for my body um we're we're adding in probiotics in the meantime and um, we're going to connect back with Nikki in a, in four weeks, aren't we? See how see our symptoms. And I just want to say, like, this isn't an allergy test. This is a compatibility test. Um, it's products that you're either incompatible for each one of you. Now, because you're breastfeeding solely and you're starting to introduce food, um, we did your hair as well as what little hair Arthur had but we gave him a trim um because it's because you're still eating these foods like you've just mentioned everything you eat to some degree is going through your breast milk to your baby and you want to breastfeed as long as possible but equally you don't like you know you've mentioned that he sleeps for 20 minutes at a time which is not conducive to anyone's happy life going forward and you're always tired so is it the food that you're eating that is contributing to your fatigue? Um, most people will put it down to just, I've had a baby, he's five months old and he won't sleep. Yeah. But are there other issues going on with yourself that are also contributing to how he's, you know, not sleeping as well? He could have gut issues. It could be that he feels bloated, like he pops off a lot. He popped off on my lap several times the <laughs> other day. So, <laughs> um it could be that he's uncomfortable, but he, he doesn't have the words to express to go, I'm in pain. And the only way, you know, he wakes up all the time because his body's like something's not right in here. So, 
you know, in the first four weeks, like I'd love to get back and have a chat with you so that you can let your listeners know, you know, what, what are the results in four weeks? And four weeks is minimal in an amount of a baby's life and even six months, which is the protocol is six months um, at a minimum and six months in five months of Arthur's life is really not that long. No, exactly. Um, and I'm, I don't mind. I don't mind removing eggs. I just, it's fine. <laughs> so I was just reading here, within three to 10 days, the inflammation can start to settle enough by you removing those foods that you will notice big changes. And that's three to 10 days. That's amazing. And it's just worth it, isn't it? Just knowing exactly that they're the things that are causing the issue. And if it re- if it affects his sleep, if he starts sleeping better, Jesus Christ, I'm just going to, like, I'm going to, I don't know, buy you a car or something. <laughs> or a giant bottle of champagne. <laughs> and let me, can I just quickly say, because people will be like, why do I have to eliminate the food? And that's probably the biggest thing. And that's the hardest thing for parents to eliminate foods because if it's... Um, when you're fatigued already, the last thing you want to do is make special meals for people in the family. However, um, if you understand, I guess, a bit of the biochemistry around it, then you'll probably go, okay, it's not just the food that's the issue, it's what it's doing to my body. So let me just read this to you because this will make, I think, more sense. So people ask all the time, why do I have to eliminate food for at least six months? So there's excess inflammatory mediators within the bloodstream that cause inflammation. Some inflammatory mediators live in the body for up to 120 days. So you think you keep your body inflamed for at least three months over the time, and this could go on for months to the point where I'm seeing him at two years' time. Um, And what it does is most people experience improvements up to 75% at the four-week stage. Now, 75%, and you've listed here probably nine symptoms that could you imagine if brain fog, mucus, um, rashes, itchy skin, sleep issues, um, flatulence, any IBS, diarrhea, bloating, like they're big issues that most people, even adults have. They just, have them go away. Yeah. Um, what I, I think that's why maybe for this example the the person who's had to remove all of these food is it because maybe they've had these gut issues or this inflammation in the body for so long that eventually you have to keep removing foods because it just keeps getting like damaged the damage gets worse worse. yeah and that's why it's not just food that comes in here it is household products because what a lot of people don't understand or realize is there's even um, washing detergents on here that you could potentially be using um, in your daily life. But those detergents, think about that. So it goes on the clothing. The clothing sits where most of the day? On your skin. So eventually what's on the skin goes into the skin. Um, And again, you're just basically re-inoculating his skin with inflammatory markers to the point where his eczema just doesn't get better. Definitely. It's just a horrible cycle, isn't it? It really is. Um so let I just wanted to talk briefly about dermatologists because I've had experience with a dermatologist and it took me months to get this appointment. And um I, I think it was it was eczema or something going on with my face, and it was linked, Monty was there as well. What happened was um I didn't finish the consultation. It was very expensive. And they, I said to her, I've removed dairy and gluten um, to try and solve this issue. And she said, food has nothing to do with skin. And that's when I left. <laughs> that was a red flag for me. Um, and I only share this dermatologist information is because like I was saying, when I had, when I was posting about Arthur's experience with the skin, mums were saying, oh, I've got an appointment with a dermatologist, so I'll find out soon. Yeah. And it, it, there's nothing, and it's the same with, you know, GPs don't like naturopaths. Naturopaths think GPs don't know enough about natural health. Dermatologists, all of the above. There's nothing, everyone's for their field. 
but generally they only know about their field. They don't do extra work in, in their studies. And the same with doctors. They don't do extra studies on vitamins and minerals. So they don't know a lot about, you know, zinc, vitamin C, magnesium. They know a little bit about it, but it's not part of their their journey in learning about what their profession is. And the same with dermatologists. I guess they're trained in, you know, looking at the products that will help the issues of people that come to see them. So, you know, nothing against them, but they they don't understand maybe enough about the gut. And this is what I was saying. You know, they think it's a breakthrough that there's issues in the gut, but they've been there the whole time. It's just people are now doing more research on it. So to go again, they'll probably just give you a steroid cream or something that you put on topically that's as thick as clag. And <laughs> like when I wrote on your page and you were like, it's really thick and I can't get it on there. Could you imagine that glue seeping through his skin yep. <laughs> into his body and his body having to digest that and get rid of it? So, um, I mean, I can make creams for babies, but I use vitamin E and I use liquid herbs in minute doses that have lymphatic um, properties that help the body clear the skin. They have anti-inflammatory products in them. So they help remove inflammation or lower inflammation. So we use natural alternatives to the same kind of thing. But if you still don't address the internal issue, you're still just putting something on topically regardless of what it is. Yeah, and I guess what can people do if their baby or they they are just screaming in pain and a, an eczema flare is uncomfortable and you just you want the baby to be happy or the child or whatever, what could they do that's actually going to be beneficial for the interim while they're trying to figure out what foods and what's going on for their gut? So like I said, sometimes sometimes you have to use a cream. I personally would rather do a natural cream that I know someone has paid attention to what's inside it rather than just something that's commercially branded eczema and run with that. Sometimes you have to go the symptom to be comfortable enough to help do more research. Um, and I, I've mentioned to you the other day, and I think you were doing it for Monty, um, just putting oats, like gluten-free oats potentially, if you think the oh. kid has... If you come back with, yeah, because there's gluten in oats, but if it, is it better off doing a gluten-free oat bath? So gluten-free, um, Bob's Mills is a great brand. He generally does gluten-free. Yes, it all costs more. Everything natural costs more, which is unfortunate, but that's just how it is. Um, but if you wanted to do a gluten-free oat bath, now all you need to do is put like a cup of oats into an old stocking or a really thin sock, um, like a nice cotton sock, and put it into the bath. So what oats do in the body is they're like a mucilage. So they help calm down the inflammation and you can just put the baby in the bath, wash their body with the oat milk. Um, it's natural because it's come out of the actual product. It's not something that you're pouring into the bath um, and just sit them in there. It's enough to relieve um, the eczema to the point where they're not, you know, screaming crazy. And it's a nice warm bath, but it's also got nice stuff for the skin. I had a, a child, would have been six or seven maybe, and the mum started doing this for him and he would ask for the oat bath because he knew that it helped his skin. Oh, lovely. So he knew. Yeah. One, he had got to have a bath and two, he knew that whatever was put in the bath was starting to help him and, you know, when they're asking for it, they generally know that it's helping them. And it's actually a lovely, like, cloudy, milky-looking bath. Yeah. Yep. Um, I do have a question from a mum that I thought would be good to cover. Now, I don't normally um, – we did cover a lot in there. Um, but she's asking about uh, fermented foods and being good for the gut health. Um, she said, I've been told that it can affect my rosacea. wonder if it would affect asthma, um, eczema too or the whole thing is incorrect? So fermented foods are like prebiotics. When we start healing the gut, we need to have the seed, which is the prebiotic, and we need to have the probiotic, which is the feed. So we need to seed it and we need to feed it. So prebiotics are 
beneficial for gut health because it puts down a base or a lining in the gut for the seed to come in and actually start to populate and make all the good bacteria. Um, so fermented foods are good, but again, they can irritate guts yeah. if you're not used to eating fermented foods because a lot of prebiotics into the body and the body's not used to it. So you still have to do things slowly um, and introduce them in little bits, especially for kids whose, you know, their gut is small. Um, and even the same with adults, you put too much fibre into the body and it can literally go in there and explode. And mine has come up flagged as onions. And I know onion is a prebiotic food, but me and Arthur shouldn't be having that. No, because onions do come up a lot and onions, um, they cause a lot of wind too. So the history of flatulence and bloating, um, when you remove them, that all calms down too. It's so it's not all prebiotics and not all probiotics are great for everyone because everyone's no. individual. <laughs> the windy products are the healthy foods, broccoli, yeah. flour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, and as an aside note, I ate broccoli and broccoli gave me headaches. So it's not every food is great for you. Sometimes even the healthy food um, is not great for you either. Just at this point, like at this juncture right now. Um, after On her question, I think she was asking as well whether rosacea and eczema are the same. And I'm guessing it will say yes. It's all a gut-related issue. Rosacea for um, women... I have found is linked to dairy. Right. Ah, oh, there's a bit of gold there, listeners. <laughs> yeah, I've tried to get my mum off dairy, but she's not down for it. So I'm a bit annoyed by that. But, you know, she is what she is. Um, rosacea does have a link to dairy. Um, sinus issues, while not 100% researched, there are links to si um, to sinus issues, eating or having dairy foods. Um it can be mucus forming. They don't really understand why, but it is. And I think it's because cow protein is a really big protein that our body just can't digest. For some people, they can, and it can be the lactose or um, it could be like the casein in the dairy. So there's, it's the same with gluten. And that's why I do this particular test rather than saying to you, take him off all gluten because it's not all gluten. It could be the gluten, it could be the gliadin, or it could be the wheat and how it's produced. So there's so many variables to the food that we eat that can be different issues. But if you stay off dairy for at least a couple of weeks and see if your rosacea goes down, boom, could be a win. <laughs> ah, great one. Um, thank you so much, Nikki. Is there anything that you want listeners to know or you want them to leave with? The thing I think is there are alternatives to medicine. Like there there are alternatives. There are things that you can do. And even just, um, you know, natural zinc and vitamin C. Even vitamin C for a baby is relevant for immune support. Probiotics, they're not something that you just take randomly. They have to be in the body for a long period of time before they start to show relevance. Um especially with breastfeeding mums, we're talking about mums who are still breastfeeding kids or, you know, their babies. It's about what you eat as well. It's about what you put on your skin. It's about what you put in your body that equally has a relationship with your child. Um, even when you start introducing foods, why not take the hassle out of it and know what food at this point is great because you want a happy, healthy child. And it's not to say you have to remove these foods for you and Arthur forever. No. Exactly. That's amazing. Thank you so much. That's been so helpful. I mean, I've been surprised by a lot of these things. And listeners, if you do have questions, I'm sure Nikki will be available to answer any. Um, and I will share the link below of how to get in contact with Nikki if you are wanting to do a follicle test or just book a consult to find out more what you should be doing with yourself or your children. And if you have any questions, feedback, please drop us an email, realtalkformums at gmail.com. Nikki, again, thank you. You've been amazing. <laughs> thank you. Bye. And if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them for you and put them back in your, your group feed. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. That would be very helpful. I'm sure we'll get questions. <laughs> Bye for now.
So yeah. Following on from my results of doing the hair follicle test and removing things that may be causing inflammation in Arthur's body that I was talking about in the podcast and his eczema being pretty bad. Um, It's now 10 weeks and things haven't really improved. Um, It's interesting, I've been talking to other naturopaths and there's mixed information when it comes to the hair follicle test. Some say it's great. Others say uh, they wouldn't do the hair follicle test if it comes if it's around like the immune cells because it doesn't detect. So all I would say is do your own research. Speak to a few different experts, and then discuss it with your family and find what works for you. You can get into a spiral like I was with thinking that I want to remove everything and things aren't working and feeling very overwhelmed, especially when it comes to eczema, because the skin is so hard to understand and so hard to see changes uh, for a long time. Things have slightly improved, but they're not where I want them to be. So at the moment, I'm sticking with the removal of the dairy and the gluten and strawberries and bananas because they seem to be, across the board, a flag when it comes to skin issues like eczema. Uh, We have introduced high-strength vitamin C and zinc. Zinc is a skin nutrient. We've introduced cod liver oil, and he takes a specific strain of probiotic for eczema. Now, I'm hoping things will start improving, We slather him in cream all day and when changes happen in the weather, it's uncontrollable. So things like that may impact as well. The oat baths have still been very, very beneficial in reducing the inflammation and helping stop feeling itchy. And we are going to keep pursuing things like this um, with his eczema. I hope this helps and I hope you, if you do have questions, please feel free to reach out and like I said, seek your own research, work out what's best for you and your family and talk to different experts and find out what really resonates with you.